or Revelation 3. We're just going to read one verse of Scripture this morning, our text verse, and it's verse number 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Father, I ask you to bless the reading of thy word this morning. Speak to our hearts. Lord, give us the liberty that you've already granted in this service and so much more. And we'll praise you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to continue this morning preaching on the dangers of becoming a lukewarm church. The dangers of becoming a lukewarm church. When you think about a lukewarm church, uh, in this text this morning, I'm not going to recap uh, what I preached last week, but there is the revelation of this church as he tells them in verse number 17 uh, that he said, because thou serve, verse number 16, he goes back and he says, so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And he reveals to them what kind of a church that they are. Now only Jesus knows what kind of a church this is, amen? And I believe Jesus will tell the pastor, as I said last Sunday, what kind of a church this is. I have pastored some people down through the years that thought they were such spiritual thermometers that they knew what kind of church this was. I've had people visit in, uh, Brother Laddie, you know this, uh, and they thought they knew what kind of church this was. And, and so and I want to tell you something, the only one that knows uh, about this church is the Lord, amen? And he will tell the man of God and speak to the man of God's heart. Uh, and I think this, I said it this week in revival and I'll say it again this morning, I believe that God will give spiritual wisdom and leadership to the man of God if he'll walk with God. I don't think he gives that to just any Joe Blow that uh, blows in or comes in or somebody else uh, uh, in the church and I want to say I believe that before I was a pastor. Somebody say, man, uh, brother, I'm telling you when I was a member of a church, uh, I follow the leadership of the man of God. Amen. I follow the pastor and I believe that uh, before I came, uh, became a pastor. You say, preacher, why do you say things like that. I used to never have to say that, but we're living in days, uh, a friend, that have changed. Uh, and it's not necessarily when I make those statements, now it could be, but it's not necessarily that that is here this morning, uh, but I'd rather say it before it gets here as to wait till it gets here. Amen? I'd rather just go ahead, Brother Blake, and say something now and flush it on out the door as it raise its ugly head up. It's just good preventive maintenance. Uh, and Brother, I believe, I told the church I was with this week. I said, you follow your man of God. You pray for your man of God. You love your man of God. You pay for your man of God. You protect your man of God. And if he's in the wrong, God will deal with him. But don't get critical. Just get behind him. Somebody say amen. And when we think about the revelation of this church, and then we deal with this morning, the rebuke that's toward this church. Now here is a church that had plenty of money. They had plenty of material. No doubt they had a good building and a good crowd but there's some things, some negative things uh, uh, that he lists in our text this morning about this church that really describes uh, uh, the condition of this church, amen? You see, you may come to Bible Baptist Church this morning and I may and think that everything is okay. But I'll tell you something this morning. What matters is not what I think or you think. It's what he knows. And he knows this morning 
what needs to be said. There's been time that you might be here this morning and say, well, I think the church needs this, or I think the church needs to do that. You know, I don't really pay a lot of attention to that, and I'm gonna tell you why, because I learned a long time ago that for me to find out what this church needs, the only way you find that out is on your knees, begging and praying and waiting for him to talk to you. Brother, I'm telling you this morning, God has helped me down through the years and I'm not boasting in this. He knows that. I'm thanking him. He's helped me. You say, preacher, you could miss it. Oh, I guarantee you I could miss it. And nobody in this building understands that more than me. So preacher, how could you say that? Because when you walked in this shoe leather, the responsibility and the weight that's on you every day, you realize, oh God, I need to know I need you to tell me. I need you to show me, and he sure has every time. I was preaching one place, and a man said to me, he said, well, he, he asked me, he said, would you pray about, and he asked me to pray about something, and I said, well, uh, concerning uh, the Jubilee, I said, I'll pray about it, but I said, God has to tell me to do that. I'm not gonna do it if you don't tell me. Amen. And he said, well, he said, you know, and he said, you, you, said or you couldn't miss it. I said, I could, but I hadn't in 20 years. He said, oh, come on. He said, there's no way you can't say that you hadn't missed it. I said, I hadn't missed it one time in 20 years. You know why? Because it ain't me running the show, friend. All I'm doing is listening. Whatever he says, I said, Lord, you tell me I'll do that. And it's never, you know what? It's never wrong when he tells you. You say, preacher, you ever missed anything, pastor? Well, you know I have, amen? But I do the best I can, and I pray, and I seek God's will. But I could count on one hand, I think, the times that I have missed it, and I'm not boasting in that. I wouldn't miss everything if it was left up to me. I wouldn't get one thing right if it was left up to me. And so I just know that every day I say, dear God, give me wisdom, give me leadership, give me direction, because there's somebody that runs the church, and it's not the pastor, it's not the deacons, it sure ain't the members. Somebody say amen. We got a lot of them going on out there uh, ruled by the people. That's what the text is. Uh, but I'm telling you the real leadership in any church, uh, it is the presence of God. It's the spirit of God. Uh, and the moving of God's presence this morning uh, is evident. Uh, it's God's approval of what he is doing that he is behind what is being done. Amen. And when you think about that this morning, he rebukes this church and I want to give you these five things and be done this morning. You can write them down if you want to or remember them. I want to say here's a church uh, that thought they had everything but the dangers of becoming lukewarm is this. Uh, at number one, they were spiritually bankrupt. Look at what he said. They said, I have need of nothing. And he said, and thou knowest not. Amen. Here's a church that said, we don't need anything. We got everything we need. And God said, you don't even realize while you may have money in the bank and you may have a nice building and you may have a good crowd. God said the very thing you need the most is the missing element of the church is the presence and the power of God. Here's a church that was spiritually bankrupt. Can I tell you this morning, listen, I've been in churches that have the presence of God and you have too and we've been in churches that were graveyard dead. Isn't that right? I mean, we don't hang from the chandeliers every service and I understand every service is, is not supposed to be that way. God wants to do something different in our life and, and I understand that but hey, I've been in services where nobody said amen but God's presence was there and God was working on hearts and God was moving and no service is the same. I understand that this morning but what I'm saying is when there's no presence of God, a church is spiritually bankrupt, friend. There always has to be a need. 
And I mentioned that last week talking about financials, how that we're to sacrifice and giving, but just sacrificial giving of our money is not everything. We've got sacrificially give of our time. We've got sacrificially give of ourselves. We've got sacrificially give of winning souls and going after lost people. You know, our visitation's about to start up here in just a few days, and we're gonna go out and pass out tracks like we've done down through the years. We're never gonna stop that. We're gonna have to go, we're gonna go after souls, but we're just gonna stay faithful down through the years because God will be good to us. Amen. A man came to our church one day and I don't know how he did this, Brother Barnes, but we was having our soul winning classes over here a few, I think it was last year sometime and this man came and he showed up. Maybe somebody invited him. If you did, I'm glad you did, but he came up and I mean didn't introduce himself, didn't say hey, bye, or kiss my foot or anything. He just came right to me and he said, hey, he said, I got a problem. I said, well, who are you? Mr. Problem, I could tell in less than 10 seconds I did not want to be his pastor. That was the introduction. I have a problem. I said, well, what is your problem, Mr.? I didn't say Mr. Problem, but I thought about it. He said, I've read every one of them tracts out there and the word repentance is not found in one of them. Now, I don't know how he read them tracts in a matter of 15 minutes. He's a fast reader if he is. I said, well, if you read them that fast, you probably overlooked the word, Amen. I'll tell you something, friend. There's a lot of people got hobby horses. Come on now. Don't y'all die on me. Now, I'll tell you something. There's a lot of people got hobby horses. I don't pay hobby horses no mind. Let's just keep doing what we've always done. Can I get an amen right there? It may not suit everybody's fancy, but it's been working. Isn't that right? And it worked before I got here. It's worked while I'm here, and it'll work when I'm gone, praise God, if we'll just stay with it. Isn't that right? And listen, I'm not going to try to please everybody. We're just going to keep on working and keep on going out. There may be a better way, and if there is, I'll say more power to you. But I'm telling you, preaching, singing, praying, testifying, knocking on doors, uh, going after sinners. It is what works. It is what always has worked. It is what always will work. And we're just gonna stick with it. I'm telling you, friend, I'd rather be in a barn and have the presence of God and doing what pleases God as to have some fancy building and no touch of God. I'm telling you, friend, this morning, we cannot afford to be spiritually bankrupt, amen. Not only were they spiritually bankrupt, but they were spiritually bad. Look what he said in verse number 17. He said they were wretched. You know, that's what the word wretched means. It means bad. And I'll tell you something, friend. Before we got saved, like old Brother Barnes said a few weeks ago, he said, I was bad to the bone. Amen. I'm telling you, uh, you don't know how many thoughts was running through my mind when you said that, uh, but I'm telling you, uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, before we got saved, we was bad to the bone. And after we got saved, guess what? In this old flesh, we're still bad to the bone. Uh, uh, but I'm glad for the gospel. I'm glad for grace. Uh, I'm glad that God passed by our way. I'm thankful for his goodness that led us to repentance. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, this morning, uh, it's just good to be saved. Uh, and I'm telling you, I'm glad that he looks down upon us. Uh, uh, but I don't want to live in sin to you. I don't want the church to get full of sin. We can live clean. We can live right. And we can live holy. Hallelujah. Do you know three or four weeks ago, Brother Danny, I woke up and I was getting ready. And as I'd been up a little while, and as I was getting ready, I heard Robbie Zachariah was preaching on the radio. And he read this verse about Joseph. 
And he was saying whatever it was. I, I don't remember what he was talking about, but when he, when he read this verse and, and said a few comments, that verse just lodged in my heart. Stayed there. Came to church. Brother Danny was teaching Sunday school. I was sitting in there and just like that, God said, next Sunday morning, I want you to preach on the sin of adultery, how to prevent adultery. And I mean, you know, there are times when God will just give you a sermon in just a matter of minutes. and you, I'm telling you just boom, 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 boom. God spoke to my heart and said, here's what I want you to preach next Sunday. Now I'm telling you when something like that happens, there's one of the two things comes to my mind. I first pray, dear God, I hope nobody in this church is committing the sin of adultery. Well, wouldn't that be awful this morning? If you are, I pray you get right with God. If you don't, you may be in a graveyard if you're saved. If you're thinking about it, then you're foolish this morning. Get it out of your heart while it's there. And I'm gonna tell you, I don't know why God put that message on my heart, but as sure as I'm standing before you this morning, I lie not with a King James Bible in my head. The Holy Ghost told me sitting right there, he said, next Sunday morning, you're gonna preach it, and I preached it, and I don't know what God was doing. That's his business, and I don't have to know, uh, by the way. Uh, but I wanna say this morning, if you're even thinking about it, if you're even teeter-tottering about it, if you're even flirting with it or playing around with it, you ought to consider yourself warned, not by me but by a thrice holy God and you ought to run from it like a rattlesnake friend. You better not flirt with it. It'll destroy your home. It'll warp your children. It'll hurt your church. It'll ruin your life and a few moments of fleshly pleasure is not worth a lifetime of misery and you better run my friend as hard as you can. I don't know why God would have me to say that other than to say this. The very sins we don't preach on is the very sins that will consume our church and brother it doesn't bother me if a man gets up and preaches on adultery or drinking or boozing or fornication it doesn't make me mad I'm telling you friend I need to hear those things because I don't know what's lurking around the corner I don't know what may be coming my way and thank God for a Bible and thank God for the Holy Spirit that will speak to us and will help us along life's way Amen. Say, preacher, you think somebody's committing adultery? I hope to heaven not. But I didn't preach it for that reason. I preached it out of obedience. And I preached it for this reason. We have to keep the church clean, don't we? Heaven knows we can't be perfect. I'm not going to ride around and with a little notepad and try to figure out how people's living. I'm not going to do that. I'd have a massive heart attack by Friday. I'd be so depressed by Wednesday. I'm telling you, I ain't gonna tell you probably what I'd do. I'd be so depressed by Wednesday. And the pastors I know that live that way are tormenting themselves because you can't make people live right. Now, when it comes to the house of God, we're gonna do right. Somebody say amen. Hey, when it comes to anything the church is doing, we're gonna do right. You know why? Because I gotta stand before God one day and give an account, and so we're gonna do right, amen? And we're gonna do right here, but when you leave off and pull off that parking lot, it's between you and God, amen? Uh, how you live and what you do. Now, I think there's some things you do, and it brings a reproach on the church that'll have to be dealt with, but we don't want even that, amen? You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying if we don't preach on sin, our church will get bad in our 
hurry, amen. I mean, starting with the pulpit all the way down. None of us are sprouting wings. None of us have got halos above our head. I'm talking about your pastor, friend. I'm talking about the membership. And it takes preaching on sin to keep me in line. It takes preaching on sin to keep you in line. It takes preaching on sin to keep them in line. I'm just saying this morning, I'm glad I've got a book that tells me what I should do and tells me what I shouldn't do. I'm telling you, friend, a Laodicean church, it's a bad church, amen. Spiritually bad. Isn't it a shame what people let's go on in so-called churches and say it's okay? And our young people are not learning any better. And then they come to a church like this and think we are on planet Mars somewhere. But I'm telling you, if they've got the real Holy Ghost living inside of them, listen, it'll spring up in them and it'll connect. I'm just telling you, here's a church that was spiritually bankrupt. Here's a church that was spiritually bad. And here's a church that was spiritually bitter. Amen. Look what he said that next word. He said they were miserable. You know how a lot of people are in church today? They're miserable. Brother, when people, nobody, when people are right with God, they're not miserable. I'm talking about, hey, they may have more problems than you and I could shake a stick at, amen? But I'm telling you, if they're right with God, they're not miserable. They, they somehow, some way, he gives them joy in their sorrow. They just somehow keep plotting alone. Their sorrows may be greater than what you and I could ever withstand, but God puts a measure of grace in there. He puts that joy in there. He gives them that victory living with him, and they'll come to church and somehow, Listen, they'll get up and praise God and they'll get up and magnify God and we can't understand that, but it's God's goodness, it's God's mercy. People that are right with God, they're not miserable, but when people start backsliding, when people start getting away from God, when people get something in their heart, friend, they get miserable in a hurry, amen. Saddest thing for any pastor is this. You said, watch people start slipping. And you try to pull them back in, and they won't come back. Brother, I've seen people in this church that I knew they were leaving before they ever left. Brother Dole, they came here, and we were, as I said last Sunday, we were the greatest thing since sliced bread. But they, uh, and that's pretty good, isn't it? Somebody say amen. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, they come here and they love this place. And something or someone influences them. And their mentality changes. You better be careful about outside influences. And be careful about inside influences. I'm telling you, be careful about what people say to you, how they talk to you. They can make you start. Listen, a person that encourages you about the things of God will make you love the things of God. A person that's always talking to you, discouraging you about the things of God will cause you to get gloom and doom and miserable and what you once thought was so wonderful, all of a sudden now it's not. It's not changed, but your mentality has changed. I'm telling you, if you and I are not careful, you'll let people pour trash in your ear and it may sound spiritual. They may be somebody of influence. They may be somebody you richly love. 
I'm gonna tell you something, friend. Uh, I remember my kids was coming up. I taught them this. Uh, I said, listen, now you love everybody. You be kind to everybody and you pray for everybody and it's okay to look up to people and you ought to look up to people. But I said, you stick with that book and you stick with the counsel you've been given and don't you get on a bandwagon of everything and every personality and everybody that comes by. Don't get on every fad. Don't get on everything. Be your own individual and live for God yourself, amen. Now, I'm not talking about isolation. How to get you in trouble as quick as anything. I'm not talking about, listen, quarantine yourself from everybody good in your life. I'm talking about, Fred, listen, just because somebody that I look up to says something, if it don't line up with the Bible, I'm not believing it, friend. May sound good. So what are you saying, preacher? I've watched people influence people. I've literally seen people hook up with people and I thought, oh my stars. I thought this ain't gonna be good. And I started praying, God, would you, would you put an end to that? Because if they run with them long enough, they're gonna think the way that person thinks and that ain't very good. Brother, I'm gonna tell you something. Miserable, miserable. Isn't it amazing in church how the church used to have the joy, used to have the power I'm talking about as a whole? I'm telling you, you two preachers lined the front pews of our churches full of God, full of fire, full of power and they shouted and they, boy I mean they got fired up and they stayed with you and the harder you preach the louder they shouted any of y'all remember those days? And I'm telling you and they didn't care if it was 12.05 and the preacher was still wound up, they still stayed with you, amen, they wasn't worried about going down there and eating at the steakhouse they wasn't worried about what was going to happen when they got done, they just hung in there with the man of God and said preach on preacher, that's what we need I'm telling you here this morning friend I'm not even close to getting done right now so you might as well swallow your tonsils real good uh, and just settle in a few moments uh, I'm telling you friend we're living in a lukewarm society we're living in a day that's cooling down and cooling off uh, there's a cooling trend in our churches uh, and if we're not careful we'll let the devil rock us to sleep uh, we'll lose our joy we'll go to church miserable and we'll wonder why our children go to hell amen I'll tell you something if God's as good as we say he is we ought to act like it Amen. We ought to keep that joy of the Lord every day of the week. Amen. Be happy. Amen. Y'all know that old song, if you're happy and you know it, say amen. How many of y'all know that? Say amen. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. Amen. If you're happy and you know it, guess what? I bet these kids know this. Your face will surely show it. Boy, I'm telling you, I see some people sometimes, I mean, they look like they've been sucking on Bob wire for about a month. Amen. I'm telling you, they look so miserable. They'd make a, listen, they'd make a grizzly bear turn and go north in a heartbeat. Amen. I'm talking about, friend, if you can preach the Baptist, you can preach to anybody. I'm talking about jailbirds. They got more joy than some people that are free and go to church. Every hey, what's wrong with this generation? Uh, uh, where is the joy of the Lord? Uh, it is our strength. Uh, I'm telling you, brother, God's been good to us. Uh, we are a blessed individual uh, sat in church on Sunday morning. Uh, if you got a hand that'll raise, uh, you ought to raise it every now and then. Uh, if you got a voice that'll say amen, uh, you ought to say amen. Uh, I'm talking about he has been good to us. I don't know what in the world I've got, but I hadn't been able to get rid of it. I'm not sick, but it's just, you know, it's affecting my voice. And I, I told my wife the other day, I said, if I could gargle kerosene and it cure it, I'd, I'd gargle it in a heartbeat. I wouldn't swallow it, but I'd sure gargle it. Because it's hard to try to preach when you, you I mean, hey, listen, I, if my right arm was dead, I could make it. But when your voice don't work, you're in real trouble. Do you know what? 
As long as I got a voice, I want to I go to meeting, don't you? I understand everybody don't have to act like me. But I'm telling you, listen, and I understand that there's got to be some order in church. Everybody can't preach. Somebody say amen. I mean, we can't all be preaching at the same time. There's got to be a comprehension in this thing. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. At the very least, we can smile, can't we? He's been good to us this morning and miserable. I think the reason there's so many long, sad faces in church today is because that people, they don't have the hunger, the thirst. And I know there are people here that do, but I'm, I'm not talking about everybody, but as, as a whole across this board, when you go to church after church and, and you have visited churches uh, and you've seen how quiet and how, how dead it gets in a lot of churches, uh, and I'm telling you, some people are coming out of obligation. I don't want to be like that, do you? I want to keep that fire. I want to keep that hunger. It's good to be obligated and responsible and come on anyway and be faithful but you can be faithful and have your fire. You can be faithful and have your joy. I'm talking about I do not want to be a miserable saint. Amen. And then they were spiritually begging. They were poor. I think about churches today are doing everything to try to bring the world in. I'm not against plans and promotions to reach the lost. Somebody got me to church with a candy cane. I'm not against that. I'm not against the bus ministry. I'm not against those things. I think you understand what I'm saying. But I'll tell you what I am against. I'm against standing on a street corner half, half dressed, half naked, amen, holding up a sign, a one word sign that don't even say Baptist or church on it and twirling that thing around and dancing on a street corner and trying to pull people in. I'm telling you, that's not the way God intended us to win this world, amen. That's not what door the door visitation. I mean, I know some of y'all listen this morning. I, I listen, you may have family members and friends that go there and you're praying for them, I'm sure. And I'm telling you, this is disgraceful when you drive through in the summertime and you got a couple teenage girls out there and they don't have enough clothes on the water 10 gauge shotgun and they're twirling a sign upside down saying, come to our church. Uh, and it's one of them one name churches, friend. Uh, I'm telling you, that's a mess uh, uh, that we're in uh, and it makes God look poor. Uh, I'm telling you, the church had power and my friend when people prayed uh, and they went out and they witnessed the people in the power of the Holy Spirit I'm telling you sinners feared God uh, and they feared God's people and we were not spiritually begging amen I'm not showing listen I like Andy Griffith but I'm not showing 12 Sundays of Mayberry to bring the world in y'all with me Son, I'm telling you, listen, who don't like Andy? Amen, he's probably a Democrat, but still liked him anyway. Never carried a gun, but that's beside the point, amen. But I'm telling you, uh, uh, listen, uh, I'm just, some of y'all fell off when I said that. Now, it's gonna be okay. Andy's okay. We love Andy. Uh, but can I tell you something? Uh, you better have more than Andy and Barney and all of them on Sunday morning. Uh, you better have a breeze uh, from another world blow through uh, and some old time preaching uh, if we're gonna win the lost, amen. I'm gonna tell you what's wrong with this generation, friend. No burden and lazy. Amen. I'm here to tell you, friend. I had a man tell me one day, he said, well, I, well, we just quit knocking on doors. I said, how come? We was in meeting together. He said, I think social media is the way to reach the world. I said, oh, no. I said, brother, I'm not saying you can't use an advertisement, but the Bible said go. That commission says go ye. <laughs> that means I'm to get up and go. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. I'm talking about they were spiritually begging this morning and then they were spiritually blind. The Bible said they were blind. 
Now let me tell you this this morning. You know what that means? That means that if we're not careful, our church could get so lukewarm that the things we stand so much for and so much against today, tomorrow, we could be embracing. Brother, I, for years I could not understand this statement, but it makes perfectly good sense to me this morning. People will say things like this when they start changing. They'll say, well, you know, I used to see it that way. And then they'll make this statement. They'll say, well, you know, I, I just really don't see things like that anymore. I thought, how could they not? I, Brother Lady, I'm going to tell you how they can. They're blind. The Bible says when we quit adding to our faith, and there's a lot of things, virtue, brother, knowledge, faith, and when we quit adding those things to our faith, the Bible says that we forget, that the Bible says we, we, we cannot see afar off. We start losing our, our spiritual eyesight starts dimming. I'm going to tell you, if it's wrong 35 years ago, it's still wrong today. And if it's Bible 35 years ago, it's still Bible today. may not be popular, but it's still that book today. Amen. Don't worry, I'm just preaching to 130. You're going to be all right, okay? Amen. I got one more point. Hang in here with me. I'm talking about spiritually blind. Oh, my soul this morning. I, I'm not boasting in this because I'll tell you why. The greatest fear that I have is that my eyesight spiritually will grow dim. You can have a great heart for God and love God. But if you don't keep your nose in that book and stay on your knees, your eyesight can grow dim spiritually. And you'll start seeing things differently. I want to see them through the eyes of the Scriptures. Then I want to say this lastly. They were not only spiritually blind, but they were spiritually bare. They were naked. Can I tell you something about nakedness this morning? Nakedness in the Bible is always a it's always a picture of shame. Nobody, nobody wants anybody to see their nakedness. It's a shame, isn't it? You know, clothes were invented to cover the body, not to uncover the body. I usually make this statement anyway. We're getting close to springtime and summertime. Amen. And our dress should not change. Can I get a witness? Just because it's getting warmer weather. Amen. Don't, don't, I, I was with a pastor one time and he said, I don't know what to do about all these shirts with holes in them. He said, what do you do? I said, I, said, I just told our people. Listen, I said, they weren't doing it, but I said, let's don't do that. Amen. I mean, if you go down to Walmart and you buy, you buy a shirt and it's got a hole this big in it, you got ripped off, friend. Amen. In more ways than one. I mean, you, you 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 spent you spent money. I mean, there's twenty. There, there, well, I'm not, probably it's true. They probably fifty percent of your garments gone. I'm talking about friend. Listen, you say, well, preacher, that's the fad. I'm gonna tell you something. We wouldn't let young people run around with holes in their jeans. Amen. Come on, and shred their jeans up when they were teenagers. But now you got mamas and daddies running around with them in their shirts. Amen. I'm talking about friend. Listen, uh, uh, you say, preacher, why are you preaching on that? Cause it ought to be preached on for crying out loud. We're living in a time uh, when you can't go to church uh, and hardly look at half the choirs anymore. I mean, everything's so low cut uh, and so high top. Uh, everything's so revealing and thin and see through. Uh, I'm telling you, it's a tight friend. If they had a quarter in their pockets, you could tell if it was heads or tails. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, we are in real trouble in this society when it's lost its decency, its modesty. And listen, I can't do nothing about the world. And listen, they don't understand that, but we that are saved, there ought to be some modesty in our dress. Hallelujah. 
I think a pastor and pastor's wife ought to be, they ought to be modest too, somebody say amen. I mean, they just some things ain't for me. Can I get a witness? Because you say, why is that? Because it's just not becoming of a pastor. And I'm just telling you this morning, there's got to be, uh, listen, if we start letting that go, you say, is that a big deal? It is a big deal. But I'm gonna tell you why it's a big deal. If we ever start letting that go, this church is gone, friends. She's gone. She's gone. Today, I don't tell another pastor how to pastor his church how they do, I know what's right. But how they do and what they do is their business. I'm sympathetic to a lot of pastors because I know they got their hands full. They've inherited a lot of stuff that will take years to ever get it out if they even can. But I'll tell you something else about that. It costs the power of God because it grieves the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you this morning, I appreciate what God's doing in this place. I appreciate the Lord passing by. He's been so good to us. But the remedy for this church, and I, he said, I counsel thee. The remedy for this church to overcome their lukewarmness was to listen to the counsel that they had been given. You know, if I joined a church today, I wouldn't care if the pastor was 21 years old. And I don't say this wrong. I think you'll agree with it. I may know more than a 21-year-old pastor might know because I got children older than that. But if I join that church, he's going to be my pastor. And I'm not going to tell him how to pastor that church. I'm going to follow the man of God. He said, well, you might, you might know more. Than if it's that big of a deal to me, I won't join that church. Is that right? Say, Brother Gravely, why do you say that? I don't know. I don't know. But I know one thing. I love this church, don't you? I hope you know when I preach to you, I'm not being mean. I believe I'm preaching the cream of the crop. I think you believe everything I've said this morning. I think you believe it the same. I, or, or we wouldn't be here. But I tell you, when I preach I, I, and I look across this congregation, I don't see you. I'm, I, God is my witness. I don't see you when I'm standing up here preaching. I'm going to tell you what I see. I look past you this morning and beyond those windows, I'll tell you what I see. I see a world. I see the flesh. I see the devil. And I see that he would love more than nothing to get inside here and get a foothold in some of your lives and some of your homes and some of your children. I'm going to tell you, when a preacher preaches, he may preach hard, but if he is a man of God, he loves them people. And he's preaching for those reasons. He sees what could be coming down the door. And I'm telling you what could be coming through that door. And I'm telling you this morning, the only one that can stop them three this morning is God Almighty. Sound the warning. Preach the book. Take the stand. And let's join together. Because the enemy's as real today as he's ever been while we stand this morning.